Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wi-Fi Now TV in association with RCR Wireless. My name is Klaus Hetting, and I'm the host of this show. On today's episode, Wi-Fi Calling for Carriers. What is it, and how do we get that right? I've got Emir Rajwani of Spectrum Max here. We're going to ask him all those questions. Also, IEEE Privacy Group uh, Workgroup Chair Juan Carlos Zuniga is here. We're going to discuss with him a new suggested amendment to the Wi-Fi standard that randomizes MAC addresses and why he's working on that. Join us right after this short message. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back today on the show. Two great topics and two expert speakers on these two topics. Number one is Wi-Fi calling for carriers. We're going to take a deep dive into that with Spectrum Max and also Wi-Fi privacy. What does that mean and how do we improve on it? We're going to talk to Juan Carlos Zuniga about that. But before we do that, I just want to do my usual personal plug the uh, event series that I'm organizing, Wi-Fi Now. Um, the conference is coming up in Amsterdam this November 17th to 19th. We've got a great program. And by the way, we have an entire day dedicated to Wi-Fi security and privacy as well. Uh, go to our website at wifinowevents.com slash Europe. Check it out. We've got 25 great companies exhibiting, more than 40 speakers, and we expect about 250 people to be there. It's going to be a great show. Also, don't forget uh, to have a little bit of fun with your Wi-Fi knowledge. We've uh, decided to launch a quiz. It's called the Wi-Fi Now Quiz, obviously, and you can find it by going to our Twitter handle, which is at Wi-Fi Now Events. If you search on that on Twitter, you'll find a link to the quiz site. Now, it's actually quite a hard quiz. We've got about 22 questions in there about standards and Wi-Fi technology and history and all sorts of things. And you've got about 90 seconds to answer and you can win a free pass to the Wi-Fi Now Amsterdam conference. So make sure you go in there and have a bit of fun with that. All right, with that, I'd like to bring on, uh, well, actually before I bring on Emir, I just wanted to say a few things about Wi-Fi calling. Wi-Fi calling of course has been uh, talked about a lot in the tech media these days. Of course, following the uh, announcement by Apple late last year, I think it was in September, uh, that Apple, uh, the iPhone, of course, supports native iOS Wi-Fi calling. And since then, a lot of carriers, especially tier ones, have adopted Wi-Fi calling more or less as a standard part of their service offering. Now, earlier this week, uh, also note that Ericsson, uh, the big uh, mobile vendor announced that they're extending their Wi-Fi calling solutions to include non-SIM devices, uh, uh, such as your laptop and your tablet. And I see that as a, a gentle uh, movement in the Wi-Fi direction from some of the big mobile industry players out there. Now, uh, the question is, why is the mobile industry so interested in Wi-Fi calling? And how do we get all of this right? And to answer those questions and a lot more, Amir Rajwani, welcome to the show. Hi, good, good morning uh, from California. 
Hi, Mir, I actually thought you were in Texas. The Spectrum Max is based in Texas, no? Spectrum Max is based in Texas. I'm today in California, joining you from uh, from the West Coast. Oh, great. Good to have you on the show. Amir, just uh, before, we, I, I want you to talk about what Spectrum Max is doing because I think it's super innovative and all that. But before we do that, just take us through uh, you know, the, the, the high-level perspective. It's a super hot topic, Wi-Fi calling for carriers. In your opinion, what's driving it right now? Well, you know, uh, Wi-Fi has uh, taken on a world of its own, right? Uh, they are becoming ubiquitous around the world. Anywhere you look at, there is Wi-Fi present in in cafes, in shops, in McDonald's, and Starbucks. Uh, you know, I've been to China. They are everywhere. I've been to Southeast Asia. They're everywhere. <clears throat> and there's actually initiatives uh, that are going on in many countries nowadays where they are actually rolling out Wi-Fi for the masses. And so given the fact that uh, Wi-Fi is getting to be everywhere, it's a very reasonably priced solution in, in the hundreds of dollars or even single digit dollars in many cases for home and for uh, big businesses. Uh, the presence of Wi-Fi is phenomenal. So if we can make the basic cellular services which exist today on a very expensive spectrum that the carriers have purchased and transition them over to Wi-Fi, uh, very seamlessly why that becomes a very, very attractive uh, phenomenon for the carriers. Uh, very simply, they can deliver these services for very, very reasonable prices. They can save a lot of money. The quality of the calls and messaging could become extremely uh, fantastic because now you're in a, a contained environment, Wi-Fi and uh, inside the house, inside the building, etc., where the penetration of cellular signals may not be as great. So it's a very, very... Uh, great proposition for a cellular carriers to take advantage of this situation and potentially provide a very low cost transition uh, to save costs and capital and all sorts of things. So it's a very, very uh, impressive yeah. situation. Well, I think I agree with you all on all of that. And there's a few analysts that have mentioned that part of the reason for the drive towards uh, Wi-Fi calling is also to take back possibly some market share and some usage from, you know, the usual OTT voice service providers out there like Skype and Google Hangouts and WhatsApp and all the others. Do you think there's a real chance that carriers can do that? Because the adoption of these OTT is actually going through the, these OTT services are going through the roof now. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, the OTTs are, are extremely powerful in what messaging application they provide. Uh, the biggest thing for carriers, of course, is that, yeah, you know, now that as they've become competitive, uh, they are providing all-you-can-eat plans. So that makes even better use for OTT to provide their services. What the carriers need to do is really uh, to take advantage of the customers being their customers and provide these services, uh, reasonably uh, cost savings, et cetera, with the same kind of features that OTT have to their own customer with a value-added proposition that I think uh, can benefit uh, not only the carrier's customers uh, with what OTT is providing, but because they have targeted customers in their own network, they could take serious advantage of that. Right, exactly. So tell me what the biggest challenges are as far as what you think, as far as uh, uh, you know, getting into Wi-Fi calling for carriers, because there are significant costs involved, of course, if you're going uh, the IMS route. I heard over <laughs> through the grapevine actually that an IMS platform can cost as much as ten million dollars uh, right. from one of the big vendors and so on. But but take us through the that scenario. 
Right. So let, let me jump into this uh, question with two aspects of it. Number one, uh, Wi-Fi itself. So, you know, Wi-Fi is a great radio. The biggest issue with Wi-Fi is what is at the back of Wi-Fi, the bandwidth available for providing a really good uh, Wi-Fi experience, right? So, for example, if you go to Starbucks and McDonald's, you cannot control Wi-Fi. So carriers are always worried, well, how would my solution sound? And so that is a very, very big challenge. But if you're if a typical person, if you're in your home or if you're in your office, the general experience of Wi-Fi is fantastic because generally the pipes are pretty big. The quality of Wi-Fi is great. So so all those scenarios, the carriers have to be really cognizant of that fact as to how we can manage that. So there are companies that are coming out that will have dedicated Wi-Fi, et cetera. So I think that solves that problem. You think about IMS. Well, you know, IMS is expensive and it is convoluted and it is very uh, cumbersome to implement. And uh, uh, so a, a real good solution for a carrier might be where you really may not have to use IMS. Uh, leave the IMS for the Volte solutions down the road where you need intelligent stuff, et cetera. So if you can have an alternative to an IMS solution, that's got to be very, very attractive for any carrier uh, to provide this solution. Absolutely. And, and just explain, because I do want you to explain what Spectrum Max is doing. So just explain to us uh, how Spectrum Max is tackling this, because I think you're doing it in a somewhat different way than, than what the mainstream uh, mobile network vendors are doing right now. Maybe we can bring up uh, the slide, uh, the Spectrum Max slide, please, Grace. I think it's up there, so you can just. Uh, All right. Okay. Well, uh, you know, our our background, uh, we come back, we come from carrier background. So, uh, you know, in the U.S., it's uh, cricket communications and pocket communications, and we have all been principals of that, and we have migrated into software development for what we can do for carriers. So, our solution is directed, knowing what the carriers have issues with, where their pain points are. So, our solution is very simple. We have utilized something called SS7 network we've utilized something called a roaming platform. So uh, for those of you who are familiar with roaming, it's very simple. You know, when you travel from the US to Europe, you turn on your phone and you know, everything comes to you like normal. You know, your phones are delivered and normally you're making calls normally. In our case, what we have done is we have taken uh, advantage of that protocol and as you move to Wi-Fi, we're utilizing that protocol to say, to deliver the call uh, just as, uh, clearly as, as it's done in roaming scenarios. So uh, from, a, from a carrier perspective, our interface and our cloud-based services uh, interfaces them with, with their network and provides a seamless connectivity. So from a carrier perspective, there is really no upfront uh, capital costs. The connectivity is simple. It's based on several years of roaming experience. And we provide uh, on, on the handset side, a similar type of uh, uh, interface like an OTT. So the uh, customers of the carriers can maintain, manage all of the uh, messaging like they do today in cellular, but also have the ability to do uh, multimedia messaging and all sorts of other stuff that a OTT uh, application does. The big difference that we provide that OTTs cannot do is we, our solution, because we are married with the carriers, will provide caller ID, for example, which is a big deal. Uh, secondarily, uh, also, you can make phone calls to a another uh, phone which does not have the app uh, because they're going through the carrier. So everything goes through the carrier. We've got uh, the cost down for the carriers and Wi-Fi becomes a giant worldwide uh, kind of a signal serving for any carrier, any place in the world. 
I like that idea and a lot and a lot actually. So so you've got clients for both the iOS and and Android, of course. And you, as I understand it from from what I've seen from you before, the service is also can also be virtualized, right? So you don't actually have to own the hardware to put it on so forth. Yeah, so uh, that's the other part of the solution that we have is we do two things. We white label it for the carriers. So we're not in it for Spectrum X per se. So it's like a carrier solution going to the customers. They can brand it any way they want. Uh, mm -hmm. And and uh, there is no hardware required because we provide cloud services. Now, some mm -hmm. carriers, you know, if they're big enough, they require security reasons. They want to put everything in their, uh, you know, uh, mobile service center. We are very happy to do that as well. Uh, but the idea is that to make it extremely flexible, have it cloud-based, we have VM running, tremendous amount of security across the board, we are carrier grade, and it provides a fantastic solution. Uh, one more point I'd like to make is as an offshoot of not only saving costs for capital because you're now on Wi-Fi, but also uh, think of Wi-Fi as an IP solution, right? So we are an IP solution. So if you're sitting in Hong Kong uh, from US and you are a small US carriers customer, and you are a prepay customer, you live in Hong Kong for vacation, guess what? You don't have to change your SIM card. You can do, the carrier can provide you a minimum $5, $10, whatever it is that the carrier chooses to this Wi-Fi roaming, and it'll be an incremental revenue for the carriers, and it'll be fantastic for the customers because now they don't have to change the SIM card, they don't have to change the mobile number, their relatives or friends can reach them on the same number as if it's a local call. Many, many, many advantages. Yeah, right. A lot, a lot of strong benefits there. Just explain to us uh, what the current status is of your solution. Do you have this deployed or trialed or, or what's happening there? Right. So we are deployed uh, with a worldwide roaming carrier uh, that provides roaming in over 190 countries, including U.S., and that is already in place today. We're trialing with major carriers now. Unfortunately, you know, we've got NDAs with individually uh, these carriers, so I cannot lay it all out for you on this show, but certainly we can provide reference as and when needed by any carriers that would like to have our solution. So uh, just, just to let you know that we have uh, demonstrated this in the MWC areas and other, other shows, et cetera, for multiple carriers, but we want to focus on Wi-Fi now and make sure that all the attendees uh, get the benefit of this and we'll see you in Amsterdam. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we'll see you in Amsterdam. You're coming actually to our Amsterdam show and we're delighted of course to have you and all you folks out there, you get to meet, meet Amir and his folks uh, in Amsterdam in November, of course, so don't miss that. Uh, you know, it, I'm always so disappointed that people don't want to come on this show and make massive announcement about the big deals with the top three carriers in the world. Oh, it's always like that. <laughs> That's totally okay. <laughs> you know, the so top thing we have the one who restrict us from talking about it until they are ready to go, you know? No, 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 of course. No, I understand that. One day we'll have a big announcement. You will have a big announcement. You can come on the show and announce it. Yes. Yes, yeah. look forward to it. Very good. So uh, the last question for you, and we're nearly out of time, but the last question for you, uh, could you imagine other types of carriers other than mobile operators uh, use this kind of solution? Because... We've also, in fact, on this show had people talk about, of course, Wi-Fi first with Republic Wireless, and we've discussed, you know, cable visions, uh, Wi-Fi only and all of that. Is there a perspective for that and what you're doing? Oh, most certainly. Uh, remember, I said our solution is IP-based, right? So for cable operators, we have a great solution. Uh, we also have a fantastic solution for thick MVNOs today, and we are actually... Uh, ready for thin MVNO as well uh, going forward so that uh, we can have a complete spectrum of solution for all of these carriers uh, that we can provide that will benefit them from low cost, 
fantastic quality service, uh, not only nationwide, but also worldwide. Amir, that's great. And I thank you so much for coming on. And I thank you because you want, you're going to be in Amsterdam as well. So I'll see you in about, I think it's six or seven weeks when you're here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Klaus. All Appreciate right. it. All right, everybody. Now on to something completely different, as they say. Wi-Fi privacy is actually, and security, by the way, but privacy is a little bit different. Wi-Fi privacy is becoming a hard issue. And what it means is, Privacy means is that you can safely use your Wi-Fi device without some uh, nefarious person spying on you and tracking your every move. Now, there's increasing concern about this uh, in various places, and uh, that's why uh, that's one of the reasons why our next guest is suggesting an amendment to the Wi-Fi standard that will allow consumers to use Wi-Fi with more privacy. Juan Carlos Zuniga, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Klaus. Juan, can you tell us uh, why you think Wi-Fi privacy, from your point of view, is an issue? Uh, meaning, your motivation by you know suggesting some of the, the some of these changes to the standard. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, uh, as you all know, Wi-Fi was originally meant to be a, an Ethernet replacement. So unfortunately, at the time, uh, you know, in the early 90s, the, they didn't think that security or privacy features were needed in the standard. And uh, since then, uh, Wi-Fi has been uh, very successful. And, and as we know, people carry more and more devices these days. Uh, and the security and privacy features have been just catching up since the, the origins of, of Wi-Fi. So let's say from basic encryption to more sophisticated encryption to authentication and so on and so on. Uh, now, the problem that we have these days with the privacy specific issues is that, as Amir was saying, uh, we, are, we see not only more devices, we see an explosion of Wi-Fi devices happening. And it moved from uh, computers to cell phones to tablets, and in the future it will be wearables, Internet of Things, cars, fifth generation, mobile, everything pretty much will have a Wi-Fi uh, device on it. Now, the problem with that is that uh, originally Wi-Fi was, uh, again, based on Ethernet, which uses uh, an identifier. And as you can see in, in uh, one of the slides I prepared, we have uh, this identifier that uh, is being broadcast uh, and sent out in the clear, even if the device is not connected. So wherever you move, that globally unique identifier is uh, being uh, sent out, and anyone with a Wi-Fi capable uh, hearing device can can start making a profile of you. Of course, the problem here is that uh, this identifier being globally unique uh, can be uh, actually more uh, easy to identify a person than uh, a name itself. Uh, now, the problem with that is that when you start correlating information, uh, you can have a lot of information about the person, not only the location, but actually a whole profile of the identity. Uh, therefore, uh, when you start thinking about uh, correlating with higher layers of the stack, mm -hmm. the bigger issue is, is, uh, is, is where it kicks. Uh, yeah, can we, bring, right. can we bring up the Wi-Fi tracking picture? Because I think this is really a good example of uh, what can be done in tracking people if, uh, of course, the, the, the identifier of the MAC address is not, uh, is not um, randomized or protected somehow. Because what you can actually do is you can associate, you of course know where this device is, you can track this device, 
But it's actually also true if you could identify who is carrying this device, and you, then that's actually really a big privacy issue, right? It's correct. And uh, as, as you've seen in the slide, uh, we know that there are several cases of that happening. Uh, and because it's so easy to do it, uh, the problem is people are not aware that they are being uh, tracked. So we can think of uh, commercial entities tracking people, but also criminal entities tracking people, governments tracking people. And the real problem is that uh, people are not aware. Uh, one may think uh, there's no problem if they know where I am. But uh, uh, you know, if you start correlating with time, location, uh, habits, like if you attend the same uh, coffee shop, you leave the same house at the same time, and you work at the same place, you can pretty much correlate uh, gender, age, range, uh, income, and also whether the house is alone, uh, whether the person lives alone, and so on and so forth. So, for, the, for example, it occurred to me that I was just thinking about it before the show, but let's say you can track a person if you then, this is maybe kind of like a nearly a criminal case, but if you then would take a picture of the person, you can identify that person while you know that device is then connected to some access point, then you've got like a complete ID essentially, and then you can track them. I mean, that's kind of like the that we are aware it's it's actually happened uh, in in the past in public places uh, where they correlate the uh, pictures uh, with the person and of course as you know face recognition is very advanced these days uh, you can go even beyond and uh, if the person actually connects to a wi-fi uh, network that is being uh, attacked you can uh, also know email accounts uh, which websites they uh, go to and you can get a lot a lot of information from people uh, it's, it's pretty scary yeah, it's really scary. You're scaring us now. Now, uh, okay. So, in order to make these uh, uh, devices more private to use, you you are suggesting uh, Juan Carlos a an amendment to the Wi-Fi standard. Now, can you explain to us what the method is that you're proposing? Sure. So uh, let me first say that uh, this whole effort is is not only in IEEE; it's also in IETF and W3C. So the three uh, main organizations making the internet work. Uh, we have sat together, we've had uh, workshops, and we've analyzed all the different uh, threats and, and problems in the protocol stack. So there are multiple efforts happening uh, from the browser level to the protocol stack, encryption, authentication. And specifically to your question you know, on the Wi-Fi side, uh, that was uh, the role I took to bring it down to, to IEEE or two. First of all, have a tutorial explain to the community in IEEE uh, 802.11 and the other groups what the issues were. So that's a group I've been chairing, you know, privacy, uh, studying the, the problems uh, and recommended practices. And now we're moving on to how, what can we do to solve these problems. Now that the problem has been acknowledged, we, we have identified at least that one clear issue of the random uh, MAC address usage, plus some other issues of identifiers, SSIDs, and so on. But uh, the, to answer your question on the randomization of the MAC address, uh, we are trying to take a look at how can we make the standard uh, the, the least uh, possible change so that we don't affect, of course, legacy systems and so on, but we still provide privacy to users in future generations of the specification. Okay, so let me throw this at you. There's a couple of companies, at least a couple of companies, I know a few of them quite well, actually, that are actually using MAC address. The fact that a MAC address is more or less, uh, well, is a uniquely identifiable, uh, um, unique identifier. They're using this 
to gain some uh, analytics and, and they're then able to, uh, some of these companies actually ran, you know, they, they uh, claim to anonymize this data in order to determine, for example, at this point in time, this many people stood in front of a certain uh, billboard or, or, or track people's movements through um, a mall or something like that. There's various business models there. So uh, there's a bunch of companies doing that. Well, what's your answer to them? Because they might feel a little bit threatened about this new technology or not. Well, uh, you mentioned a, a few cases. Uh, and uh, I should first say that if people reserve, receive a, a service and they are aware of it, uh, there's no problem with being tracked. Uh, also, there are companies that uh, do track people but are privacy friendly, quote unquote, uh, meaning that they do randomize information. And we've done that in the, in the conferences and so on. So we make sure that after we gather the statistics, we break every single possible uh, identifier so that we can keep using the data and the logs and so on without compromising any, any identities. Mm -hmm. So those are privacy friendly practices, and there's absolutely no issue with that. Now, there's also private. Uh, uh, some features that you can uh, put uh, where you do rely on, on the address and if the user is aware of it, there's no problem in keeping the, the same address. So you can think of uh, corporate networks where you connect to your network and you are authenticated several times. Uh, your MAC address is one of them. Or when you uh, go to a hotel, for instance, and then you pay for a service 24 hours, most of these services will actually rely on the MAC address to make sure that you have already paid and, and, and you've got the, the service. So in those cases, uh, it's not only the Wi-Fi device, but it needs support from the operating system. And we know that uh, in the ITF, we had some discussions. Uh, there are some operating systems, like uh, there was an announcement that Windows 10 was starting, was going to start supporting these features, uh, in which you can actually randomize in, in some occasions. But if you so desire, for certain networks, you want to keep the same identity, which may be the, the permanent one or a randomized one specific for that environment and so on. Right. Okay. And in the cases where people use MAC addresses to authenticate users, I know this is might, it's probably not a very good idea to do that because they can be spoofed and whatever, but there are still a lot of uh, cases like that. Uh, those would also have to be changed or modified if you actually randomize the MAC address or how, do, how would that work? So, so, so the idea in that case is that uh, operating systems should keep track of which network uh, belongs or which identifier rather belongs to which network. So mm -hmm. again, you may have one, two, three, four uh, identifiers. And as long as you keep the same one for the same network, the network can, uh, the, the, you're just breaking the correlation between networks, but you keep being the same person for the same network. Okay, all right, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And when do you think, uh, this uh, suggested amendment, I know you guys are still working on it, but when do you think it might hit the market and become something that you and I use in our everyday lives? So, uh, so as I said, well, first of all, the, 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 for the market, uh, there are some uh, products that we know uh, are starting to, to include some features uh, like this uh, Apple announced, uh, even from uh, iOS 8, that they were uh, going to start randomizing addresses in the probe request. Mm -hmm. uh, Windows, uh, we just heard at the past IETF meeting that Windows 10 may, may include some uh, randomization during the connection phase. Uh, now, as for, as for the standards, uh, it actually spans across uh, multiple standards. So we are working the privacy recommendations in, in the standard core 802E uh, for privacy recommendations. Then we have a, an 802C, which defines the usage of MAC addresses for all uh, 802 technologies. And this includes uh, 15 for like Zigbee's and so on, uh, Ethernet and 802.3 
Wi-Fi in, in 802.11. So this this one 802.c specification will will uh, take care of recommending uh, for all all the usages. Mm -hmm. And then uh, finally, for Wi-Fi specifically, there's several ways that can be done. Uh, right now, there there are groups uh, working on uh, amendments to the standard. Like uh, there is the MC, which is just an uh, uh, an errata, and they, they could include a, an amendment to the original standard, or it could come in a in a future generation, like 802AX uh, for the high efficiency, the AZ also guys in the next generation positioning. We're talking about uh, including privacy features. So any of these amendments could include uh, this, this feature. So do you, so Juan Carlos, do you think that uh, there will be resistance from some parts of the industry in actually getting this? Amendment through regarding MAC uh, changes in, in, in MAC addressing? There, there were resistances in before, I guess, to the to the unknown. And, and that's the main reason why uh, we, we had tutorials and so on to educate people about it uh, uh, since last July. Uh, now, they were uh, afraid of breaking things in the network beyond that, like what would happen with the collision if ever there is uh, multiple addresses choosing the same random number and so on. So we, we've done a lot of tests, and now uh, we actually, after carrying out the trials, we decided to keep the setup permanently in IETF and IEEE able to meetings. So we've shown that it works, and, and that was a big, a big proof to basically let people know that there, there are no big issues, and if ever there's, you know, collisions, uh, there's way around it. Juan Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show. I wish you lots of luck with your work, and thanks uh, for taking the time to join us. Muchas gracias. Yes. And uh, come back and uh, tell us more when uh, you get a little bit further, all right? All right. Thank you very much, Klaus. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. That was pretty much it for today's show. The only thing I have left to tell you is what's going to happen on next week's show. And we've got two fantastic Wi-Fi industry leaders lined up for you. Mr. Gary Griffiths, he's the CEO of iPass. IPASS uh, just announced, if you've been following the news, a partnership, a partnership with DeviceScape uh, to uh, serve up 50 million Wi-Fi hotspots. We're gonna ask CEO Gary Griffiths what he's gonna use all those Wi-Fi hotspots for because that is one enormous network. So he's a guest on next week's show. Also, we've got CEO Paul Mickelson of Aptilo Networks. If you don't know who Aptilo Networks is, you better start to get to know them because they are a uh, Wi-Fi core network company that has been active for something like 10 years in providing carrier-grade service management, offload, and so, so forth for dozens of carriers around the world. Paul is a great guy, great leader. You get to meet him on this show next week. That's it for today's show, folks. And uh, all there is to say is come back next week, same place, same time. See you then. Wi-Fi Now is a production of RCR-TV News. To suggest a show topic or to learn more about Wi-Fi Now events, you can reach Klaus Heading at klaus at headingconsulting.com. To find out more about Wi-Fi Now and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.